It's Metropolis on KCRW. I'm Jason Bentley, and with me, Jas and James. Simeon Mobile Disco, welcome back. Hi. <laughs> How are things? Very good, thanks. It's nice to be here in sunny California. Yeah, yeah. What have you been up to lately? Uh, we, in fact, we were very recently here. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to be back. It's getting steadily colder in our country. So mm-hmm. come over here. Get, get a bit of sun mm. but yeah we've been we've been we've been making a record and now we're back over here playing it that seems you have a um a certain connection to uh to the area to southern california um tell us how the uh local uh desert biker bar pappy and harriet's uh, figured into this most recent album yeah it's, it's quite strange i suppose the album was made here in joshua tree because our gear is pretty portable, we've made this little system involving a couple of synths each and a mixer. It meant that we didn't have to be in our studio in London to record it. So uh, we got offered a gig, actually, in the the uh, biker bar, the Papi and Harriet's. And before we'd even made any of the music, we thought, let's use that as the kind of end point to the project. We'll go out there, take the gear out there, record in front of an audience and see what happens. And yeah, that's pretty much what we did. Describe for the audience Pappy and Harriet's for those who haven't been there I mean for us it's incredible honestly it's it's like a kind of it's like a kind of cowboy saloon with bikers I mean there are not many of those in London I can tell you and the place that we were playing uh, it's just basically it's the back garden of this bar totally open to the elements you know you can see the at night you can see the stars and obviously it's the desert so there's a lot of them pretty incredible now did you originally intend on playing in the back or were you going to play in the in the front I think room was, first. I think it was always going to be outside. Okay. And we actually, like, we multi-tracked that recording and then we actually did another setup because we were there for like the week preceding and we did a setup out in the rocks in the middle of nowhere and, mm. you, and you couldn't see any other kind of uh, human life. And so we took basically a recording that we did out there in the middle of nowhere and then a recording that we did at Papi and Harriet's and a few of the original kind of jams we we did and and kind of yeah i suppose collage that into the album that that exists and that we called whirl yeah it's funny because Pappy and harris is probably the last place i i would expect uh to encounter simian mobile disco or um you know any kind of um danceable music <laughs> electronic dance music at all so it's hilarious to me that you would choose that place we definitely did get on because we were filming the whole thing to make a little kind of mini documentary and we did definitely did get a um a couple of bikers going what is this video game bulge <laughs> i don't know if you're allowed to swear on this particular radio station <laughs> but you know i think quite a lot of people came up from la and we had friends there and there's obviously the kind of weird hippie alien chaser vibe out there as well so yeah. it was a pretty pretty good mix of people <laughs> it reminds me of that scene from the blues brothers where they're <laughs> playing behind chicken wire <laughs> because people are throwing <laughs> bottles at them it, it was a bit like that or, yeah. or um what's what's the other one where they all turn into vampires what's that <laughs> film that's all the films right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what the kids love these days so you know looking at your story um, and now this is the fourth album. And maybe this is the case for, for any great artist, but it feels like it's a, a process of discovering who you are, you know, y- your own evolution. And with this record, it really is, it feels like less is more. And it's interesting that you have, you know, stripped away things to get to a point of minimalism, making the most impact um, for you. But can you expand on on that? Because this is a minimalist expression of your art. I think that we definitely are kind of aware that, you know, like when you first start making music, you you kind of have the option to layer things and throw loads of things in there. And, you know, we, I suppose as producers with other people, constantly you're trying to pull away those layers and get down to the core of what is important about something. And we tried to do that to ourselves, I suppose, by kind of limiting the equipment we could use and and just trying to have less elements and less things going on in there. So each kind of thing that was in there was um, had a stronger voice individually, if you know what I mean. Mm. Do you think about things also in terms of a broader artistic movement of minimalism at all? I mean, are you interested in in, in that genre of both both music and, and visual arts? I think it's it's less than the minimalism and more a case of wanting to explore new things 
Uh, and with all, all of our records, we've always tried to do something new, you know, not repeat ourselves. And so the idea with this was that we ditched the entire studio, you know. The entire thing was new right from the off. There was no way we could repeat ourselves. And then also tied into that, it was just, it, it needed to be fun. We needed to want to do this, you know, and a kind of a trip out to the desert. It's like, that's kind of, it's an adventure in the true sense of the word, you know. And so, yeah, like it was fun. It was kind of, it was like an exploration of new kinds of music and a, effectively a new instrument that we had custom built for this project. Mm. And so, yeah, pure fun. Describe that instrument. What, what are your tools um, here? So we have kind of condensed everything that we were touring with previously down to two modular synthesizers uh, and a mixer and just a handful of outboard you know like some guitar pedals basically and that's that's actually not far from what we have in the studio in a lot of situations and i think we just had this moment when we realized like actually look there's not that much stuff that we're using in this room and it could all go into like two portable cases and then we can record anywhere you know that's a that's quite an, an exciting idea when mm. you've done all your previous records in a darkened room with barely any windows and also as well the to pull the safety net of having a computer and having any playback and any way of you know recreating stuff that you've made in the studio you know for us to just like make it only with hardware means that everything happens every sound is generated from that you know those machines at that particular time there's no kind of referencing something you've done before really it's it's a totally new instance of of the album each time you play it you know and because it's the same machines that we made the record on and that we're touring so it's kind of the, you know it's like in a traditional sense of a band with you know trying to capture their live sound on a record that's kind of where we've come back to with electronic music and, and how did you uh, define a finished song from the material because it feels like you would have in the writing and recording process left things very open-ended um, did you then go back to review and what were you listening for to define a finished track? Well, I think that's why we chose to do it in front of an audience at Papi and Harris or whatever, because it kind of forces you to commit to a moment in time, you know, and, and really we we chose the best kind of rendition of each sort of song out of the couple of performances we did. Then after that, we just mixed it. We didn't really edit or layer or do anything more to it than the actual, than what we did at the time, you know. Mm. And that was, so that gave us a distinct endpoint, a distinct sort of, you know, drawing a line under it, you know. Sure. Because otherwise, I, I, you know, I see your point, like with it, it is pretty, uh, it could be pretty amorphous and go on forever if you're not careful. Yeah. And this is a long way from the 2009 album, Temporary <laughs> Pleasures, where uh, you worked with a number of collaborators and you really, it seemed like you were intentionally, you know, looking to uh, shape your uh, sound into something very accessible. And now, ironically, with um, EDM, as they call it, bigger than ever, you guys have gone in completely the other direction and, you know, done something <laughs> that doesn't pander to a, a you know, a mainstream um, ear, uh, really. <laughs> is, is that intentional? <laughs> Yes. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, honestly, it, com it completely is. I mean, when we first started touring, we would just throw absolutely everything into getting as big and complicated, uh, like, light show and production as possible. Yeah. You know, we wanted it to be a really kind of immersive and kind of visceral experience. And then when people that we didn't like started doing it, it just didn't seem to be cool anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, all of a sudden we were playing at festivals and you walk around and be like, I don't like any of these bands. Mm -hmm. And it seemed that the way to play with the bands that you like uh, is not to have all of that stuff with you. Mm. Um, and so that's honestly, that's kind of, from our point of view, we want to make music where we don't have to make any compromises and we want to play at festivals and in at gigs where we're excited to see all the other bands. And that's exactly what's happened. This this last run that we've done, we've you know all the festivals that we've played, we've been like running around trying to see all the other people. And that's how it should be. Mm. Yeah. Who are some of the people that you're excited about these days? I think with this record, like, we definitely, um, you know, like, we, we were huge fans of, uh, like, James Holden and all that kind of border community stuff. Yeah. Well, he's um, been around for a while. Yeah, so of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, there's a new Aphex record just come out, yeah. which, you know, we're, we're obviously huge fans of, of his as well. In the world of kind of modern, you know, electronic music, there's so much 
good stuff out there at this point in time. It, mm. it feels like you know you you really spoiled for choice at this point. And bad stuff, um, of course. Yeah, so. yeah, just more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like this uh, album is you know boldly saying you know this is who we are creatively, and we're all about the longevity of what we're doing. It's not about the trendiness of it. And as as attractive as maybe it has been to um say pandered to a wider audience at times this is kind of saying look th- you know this is a little more abstract for the average ear but this is what we want to do and this is who we are and it's a little more left of center so also i think we've really got to the point where i don't think you can ever you know people get have so much access to music now people are smart you know you can't un- you can't mm-hmm. underestimate your audience i don't think you know like i don't know at this point we're just we don't really think that much about where it's going or what it's for apart from that we're kind of enjoying it and we're trying to make music that we like and yeah. we personally want to listen to. It's a pure purpose on... Kind of, yeah. yeah. At this point, there's not really any other any other reason to do that, is there? You know? <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're trying to like bother the uh, the Forbes list or anything. You know? <laughs> You're not going to um, challenge uh, Calvin Harris for top uh, I earning... I don't think so. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave him to it. It's fine. I don't, I, I don't want him to lose sleep over that. <laughs> I've seen you a number of times over the years at, at some very um, cool venues like the uh, SS Coachella, uh, where <laughs> you remember you emerged from below the, the stage. <laughs> that was a classy move. <laughs> that was a highlight. Yeah. That was cool. <laughs> a little bit spinal tap, but very Huge. cool. Um, <laughs> but I'd love to know, you know, from you, those magic moments, does anything come to mind, specific shows over the last few years where, you know, it just really went down? I mean, God, it's there's been a bunch of them. I think particularly because I think for both of us, Glastonbury is like a long running. It's like one of the things that like really like got us into, you know, music. We've been going since we were kids. Every time you play at Glastonbury, you definitely know that it's a special one. Like, you know, regardless of how many gigs you've done before or after, you always remember those. Mm. Um, it's kind of, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you're like, man, I remember being out there. Do you know what I mean? Like I can mm-hmm. like like looking at it from the other side. How, like, how many times have you played at Glastonbury? A bunch of times. Yeah, yeah quite yeah, a few. Yeah, like in various different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I actually played keyboards with the Arctic's on the main stage, <laughs> like <laughs> once as well, which was probably the most bizarre experience of my life. Mm. But um, yeah, you know, to playing li- weird little tents. Um, you know, Glastonbury's so big, you can kind of, you know, you can do a gig in a weird rabbit hole for you know 50 people and it'll be amazing you know or or you can play on kind of one of the normal stages and you know it, it there's so so much variation there it's uh you're spoiled for choice really mm. anything that uh, a festival that people might not be aware of that you've played at um that you've enjoyed festival actually there was a festival that we did called taiko festival hmm. uh out in japan and it's right out in the woods it's pretty amazing actually because ordinarily when you go over there you're like you know like with most places you only hit kind of cities and stuff like that and you know you kind of stayed in is it called a gonza no no it's called a ryokan ryokan yeah uh so yeah we stayed anyway we stayed in like a traditional place and you know got the train out there into the middle of nowhere and it's a real kind of uh it was really nice to to see that side of things and also it was like an amazingly forward-thinking festival, like really super cool, like left-field electronic stuff. Sure. Is there a strong fan base for you guys in in Japan? Yeah, Japan's a weird place. We've we've always really had good gigs there, but it culture moves so fast there. You know, you uh, your your moment in the sun is short. You know, so mm. you, if you've got a new record out, you can go and do gigs there. But then you know there'll be another million things coming through. Mm. Um, so you have to. Uh, you have to kind of choose your uh, choose your moment, mm. but uh, it's an amazing. It's still kind of one of our favorite places to go and play. I think. You know, on this uh, show, I, I always like to highlight uh, a track uh, that's really from the the old school. That's that's the first wave of acid house and early underground house music out of Chicago or Detroit. Um, records like um, Nervous Acid by Bobby Condors or um, things like that, but. You know, with you guys, it's interesting because you're a, a further generation down, uh, one or two generations down from those pioneers. And um, the music that you're making is cut of the same cloth in its sort of uh, sincerity and sensibility there. 
Is there any record that you can recommend to our audience that they should go find, that they sh should go listen to that's like that, you know, that pivotal revolutionary track and you're you know that even you're fascinated about like how did they come up with this in some basement in chicago off the top of my head there's that uh computer madness by steve poindexter that that one is i remember hearing that and it had it definitely had the same effect of what you're saying mm -hmm. of like when you first hear like an apex record or more tech or something where you're like how do they make <laughs> this weird alien music you know and that's still something that I kind of look for in, in, in music sometimes, but that, that's definitely one to look for. I think. Okay. What, one of the amazing things about it as well is that it is, you know, as you're saying, it's this kind of, certainly if you, if you don't know that much about uh, electronic music, it's this completely alien sound and kind of makes no sense at all. But it was made with like one synth and a delay box and a drum machine. You know, it's like such a basic setup. Um, and yet it's this super, super crazy like imaginative music there's something about that you know you can hear you can almost hear them like pushing up the faders or like turning you know you can hear the human behind behind it you know and that's something that we've always kind of really kind of wanted to try and get into our records you know so it doesn't feel like it's been made by a computer it, it feels like it's been made by a human trying to control a computer if that makes sense <laughs> yeah and it's interesting just thinking about the the economics of of it too and and how these instruments ended up in in the hands of an underground art community um you know the 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 roland equipment uh, the 808 the 909 when i think those were originally intended for uh studio use and maybe a higher end client but they didn't really take and so they ended up in pawn shops and got picked up by uh people who were going to think completely outside of the yeah. box with that machine yeah it, it still amazes me that roland ever thought that the 303 was going to be like useful for a guy playing in a bar trying to program his bass line so he could you know play his country music over the top of it or whatever it's like what how is that ever going to work <laughs> it's like if you've ever tried to use one it's the most sort of convoluted uh difficult thing to program you know which is why lots of interesting stuff comes out of it because you try and do one thing and it generally does something you didn't want it to do sure. and generally it's something good you know? <laughs> it's a happy accident yeah simeon mobile disco are with me in studio on kcrw so let's head into the music that you have for us set this up uh for us it's a number of tracks this was recorded um recently or when was this recorded on this tour I don't know if we can say when. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was recorded. As, um, it, it was basically um, us trying to, you know, play a version of of the songs on on World. You know, okay. it's, it's all of the songs are from the new record, and you know, they're all, I suppose, you know, slightly different versions. Well, probably quite very different versions than than the ones on the actual record, but made with the same equipment and the same sequencer and the same melodic information. It just kind of comes out sort of through the kaleidoscope a bit different. Excellent. Well, thank you uh, for stopping by KCRW, Jas and James, our Simeon Mobile Disco, and uh, we wish you all the best. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us.